and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, joined as always by my friend and co-host, the amazing Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you this week? What you been up to? Ah, uh, what have I been up to? Well, a, a lot of very, very pro-level, top-draw procrastination. I've been cracking on. Um, I mean, a dissertation. I mean, it's not that important, is it? Obviously. <laughs> what about you? What have been going on in Canada? Oh, not too much for me. I was kind of curious what uh, version of Task Manager we're on this week for you. Oh, uh, Task Manager. Um, I'm still on the one that I migrated away from and then migrated back to. So that's things. Um, and quite a lot of analog, really. I think the analog is what's holding me together at the moment. Still enjoying the William Hanna? Oh, yes. Yes. The, uh, the, the journaling with intent has been really, really useful. Um, it's, I, I guess it's sort of harnessing my subconscious to, uh, to get stuff done. So I'm, uh, when I'm closing down my day, I'm writing down a thought for, for the next day. And when I wake up, I'm, I kind of know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders. It's working really, really well. I will caution that with the fact that at some point soon, um, when the, you know, the big looming task is done and gone. I suspect I will collapse in an exhausted heap. I think there's quite a lot of uh, stress hormone keeping me going at the moment. Oh, that's always nice and healthy, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's not great for the health. Um, plus, it, it's really bizarre. This I'm already, I am already off on a tangent. But um, <laughs> the uh, the current Mrs. Lennon turned around to me yesterday and said, "Why are you drinking wine every night?" And <laughs> I mean. The obvious answer to that is because it's there. But the reality is that I have reverted to um, to working me. So uh, when the chips were down in, in my business and things were, you know, really on fire or we were negotiating the exit and, you know, it was all very, very corporate Cobra stuff and you're getting up really early, going to bed really late, working 14, 15, 16 hour days. Um, and I was pretty much powered by caffeine and wine. I mean, the, the only thing that really changed was the time of day and um i just i've reverted to that so it's it seems that this whole sort of you know focused hyperproductive me um everything else just goes back to reverts to old defaults which uh, i've i've sort of i'm being as the the modern folk would say i'm being kind to myself uh and i'm not worrying about any of that i've i've got a task i'm going to get the task done uh, and the rest I'll deal with afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was a good point that you made because I am literally going up, having finished my work, closed down my day, reporting my work out, going, there we go, ahead of schedule, done that, done this, feeling good, rock and roll, where's the wine? Drinking some wine, watching some TV, go to bed, get up, repeat. Nothing wrong with that. I don't see the problem. <laughs> uh, yes. You got you to gotta get some uh, liquors in there. Uh, last night was uh, vegan eggnog with uh, spiced rum for me. Vegan eggnog? Vegan eggnog, What yes. on earth is vegan eggnog? I mean, I appreciate it's some sort of impersonation of eggnog, but how do you make vegan eggnog? Well, it's made with oat milk. Ah, okay. And I've heard fr through the grapevine that oats are very hard to milk, but that's a whole different... Uh... <laughs> I, I very nearly spat beer all over my computer there. It does taste like uh, like eggnog. Uh, it's it's quite thick. It's lovely. Put some well, 
a spice rum and anything will uh, kind of cheer it up. Uh, yeah, that'll work. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, what we were drinking. We were, well, we'll talk about that later, but we we're doing some Christmas decorations and all that stuff. So uh, it was an enjoyable evening. Uh, but yes, I I know about this drinking too much thing. Um, I found my app the other day, Link or whatever it was called, Less. That was the one. And um, mm. went into it and it thought I've been doing a fantastic job of not drinking because I hadn't recorded anything. Uh -huh. I thought, no, 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 no. The default is if I'm not recording anything, I'm drinking too much. Absolutely. Yeah. If I'm not talking to the app. I mean, it's, it's similar. I was looking at my at Noom the other day. Um, cause I think it's coming up to a year. Um, and I lost quite a lot of weight at one point, uh, which <clears throat> clearly is now coming back in, in wine form. And, um, I, th I think that Noom is, is kind of very reluctantly and quietly reporting that after 11 months and two weeks, I've lost half a kilo. <laughs> Look quite depressed about it really. It's like, <laughs> oh. uh, we failed you next, next year's on us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can almost hear in the in the next lesson it's going to be now pay attention, um, but there you are. Mm. Um, when I was doing the show notes uh, last week, I found the links to both the Apple Replay and the 2023 Wrapped on Spotify. Uh, they'll be in this uh, show notes as well. So if anybody is interested in you use one of those services, you can click on the link and it'll give you. All the stuff that you did. Um, did you get to look at it? I did. I mean, I love the fact that this is online in Apple Music, but in your app, can you find it? Can you? Hell. Um, which just strikes me as so wonderfully Apple Music, um, possibly the worst app ever designed by anyone. But um, I, I logged in and I looked at it. I thought, I oh, know this doesn't work. This is all nonsense. What's going on? I mean, number four in my in my list of top artists wait for it is zero seven okay um and if i was to ask a stupid question like what is or who is a zero seven would that mean anything not a scooby-doo i have no idea whatsoever number six is joseph spelt j-o-e-s-e-f at number seven is two lanes I mean, obviously, everybody knows two lanes. Um, again, never heard of them. Then I've got um, a chap called Bonobo. Uh, another fellow, it appears to be a fellow, judged by the haircut, called uh, Embers. Never judge anyone by a haircut anymore, Stu. We are living in a new age. Yeah, there's an Adam's apple. That's another giveaway. Um, and I was just... This is this is bizarre. I've got no idea. Leon Bridges, never heard of the chap. I mean, he looks charming, but never heard of him. Uh, nightmares on something. And then I realised what it is. Um, when Margaret and I leave the house and we leave the dogs in to go out for supper, um, the last thing that we do before we leave uh, the kitchen is well, we give them a biscuit. Obviously, I mean that's that's the law. Um, we tell them to be good dogs, and we uh, we put some music on for them. So we say, "Hey, doofus, play." Uh, I often say chill jazz. Um, Margaret often says chill music. Uh, and of course, Doofus plays whatever the hell she wants. So um, I'm assuming that all of these things just come from, from that sort of playlist. Mm, that would make sense. Uh, which would probably be the most often that there's music on in the house, to be honest. Um, but no, there's also some good stuff. When you get into sort of albums and things, then there are, you know, 
ones I've heard of, which is reassuring. Uh, and like you, actually, mine was was pretty predictable. I imagine listeners playing playing along can probably guess which three uh, were top of my list. So uh, there's you two, uh, Foo Fighters, and uh, Guns N' Roses. Those those were the, my top three albums. Um, which is, as you say, it's well, it's a bit depressing. Perhaps we should both become Swifties. Oh gosh. Uh, Stu and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, and uh, I was listening to some music, uh, Apple Music, surprisingly enough, on the TV upstairs last night while we were doing the Christmas decorations, and there was one song that was just grating on me, um, and it was, okay, let's fast forward for this stuff. And it was a Taylor Swift song, and it's apparently the first time that I've ever heard her, and um, uh, sorry to all the people that are spending billions of dollars going to see her but just didn't do much for me. Hmm. I'll stick with my 40, 50-year-old music because I'm old and grumpy. Well, there you are. Me too. All right. We're curious to see what you're listening to and have been listening to. So the links are, are in the show notes. Stu, what is your tool of the week? Oh, tool of the week? Uh, execution. Not killing people. Uh, I think that's bad. Please don't do that. Well, uh, there may be a few that kind of deserve it, but, uh, you know, steady, in the steady spirit man. of Christmas, we will, we will, uh, all things good and healthy and yeah. Oh, oh, you've done it now. You've triggered another tangent. Have you perchance seen the movie Violent Night? You know, we were contemplating watching it last night. Uh, my daughter was suggesting that it was crazy but funny and all the rest of it so i haven't seen it but uh i it, it is on the playlist well i mean justin I, I i will whet your appetite because there can be very few movies that match this synopsis so i assume that you remember stranger things yes the sheriff the first couple of episodes that i've watched yes okay you remember the sheriff yep yep i remember him okay. i liked his uh, truck he plays santa I could see that. And w the reason that this will immediately chime with you is that the the movie opens in Bristol, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, now, I can confirm that it's certainly not Bristol, but we're pretending that it's Bristol. And uh, Santa is in a bar in Bristol. Again, it's not in Bristol. Um, and he's, well, he's hitting it quite hard, Justin. Let's be honest, he's, he's having a couple. No wrong with that. I mean, that's his uh, modus operandi, isn't it? Drunk driving on Christmas Eve, yep. stops everywhere, has a glass of sherry and yep. a couple of cookies and then buggers off. You're ruining this for, for the rest of your evening. But anyway, he then, um, he's clearly feeling pretty cynical about everything. Um, he's talking with another Santa who's, you know, one of those fake Santas that, you know, works in a shop and stuff. Um, so anyway, the whole thing sort of unfolds and we get some tiny little sprinkles of management. Oh, of management, of magic, just to show that he is the real deal. Now, I won't go into the rest of the plot particularly, but there's a fascinating moment where we, we get an insight into Santa's backstory. And it's one that I didn't know, Justin. And I'm going to wager that you didn't know this either. Mm. Did you know that Santa was a Viking? Okay, that's news for me, but sure. Mm. Um, and... A pretty murderous one at that. Skills that will, throughout the movie, come in very, very handy. I'm guessing no lumps of coal in this story. 
uh, funnily enough, there are, but again, no spoilers. Uh, I, at the end of the movie, Margaret was asleep anyway, but at the end of the movie, I, I have to say, I picked up my bottle of wine and looked at it very suspiciously and thought, have I had some sort of weird fever dream? But anyway, well worth a watch, if not necessarily that Christmassy. But anyway. All right. Uh, I will have to watch that with uh, with my daughter. <laughs> I'm not sure the wife will be quite as interested in it. Hmm. Now, back to execution, which is where I started. Um, I think I was writing the show now, and I was thinking, how many times have you and I spoken about how... Uh, intention and planning, journaling, um, meditating, um, resting properly. Uh, how many times have we talked about how important those things are to getting stuff done? And how many times I completely ignore all my own advice? With this dissertation and the deadline and the, so the fact the deadline has sort of crept up on me, um, I, I found myself in, I guess, that easy place where you don't have a lot of choice. You, you, you've got to get focused and you've just got to get it done. Um, and so I, to everybody's great surprise, I started planning, I started journaling, I started meditating, I started resting. Um, I did all sorts of things that I've recommended to other people. I cleared my schedule. I got rid of golfing commitments. I got rid of social commitments. I'm going to get this done. Nothing is going to happen until I get this done. Turns out if you do all of those things, you get stuff done. But do you have fun doing it? Well, look, dissertations and, and, you know, large pieces of writing or, or bits of academia, I'm not sure fun is the right word. Lisa could probably help me out. I, I think maybe it's achievement, sense of, um, getting stuff finished. Uh, I don't think I've written um, the, the greatest piece of academic writing ever, uh, but I have written it. So as, as we record, my effective word count which is academic for don't count all the bits around the edge, um, is 15,010 words. Now, I've got some edit sweeps that I need to do in terms of proofing, in terms of grammar, in terms of sort of uh, what I call a thread edit, making sure that, you know, the things that I mentioned in the introduction turn up at the conclusions via all of the other chapters, that type of thing. Um, so I've got more work to do on it, but I could, if I wanted to, submit this now. It's, you know, it's... Wow pretty much finished um meaning well you know what the heck am i going to do for the next three weeks who knows just sit and drink wine all right just well now that you've said it uh, i'm sure mrs l will be fine with it <laughs> uh, so yeah execution um when when you really need to get stuff done uh you'd be surprised how much you can get done if you do all the things that that help yeah definitely it, there's nothing like a deadline for making sure that you are focused. Yeah. How is your task manager usage going to make sure that you don't become monomaniacal as far as just the one project? Are you still getting everything else done or did everything else just get pushed out of the way so you can focus on your 15,000 words? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, that wonderful word you just used, a monomaniacal. Um, largely, everything else can wait. Uh, but there are things that can't. So, for example, uh, a supplier for Nero's Notes, who's um, successfully taken quite a lot of money out of my bank account, uh, then came back to me and said, oh, yeah, I can't actually send it on your shipping account. Um, could you do that? Sure. Um, setting up shipping is not 
exactly rocket science, but there is quite a lot of detail in it because you have to put the customs codes and all this sort of good jazz. Um, so that needed to be done or else the stock wouldn't get there. We wouldn't be able to sell it, et cetera, et cetera. So things like that, um, I would get done, but, um, I've, I've got a, I've got a routine going, Justin. It's, it's staggering. I, um, I do an email check, um, at the end of my day. Um, I sweep through all of the various and sundry boxes I've got, you know, uh, I, I use Sanebox. So, um, I've, I've moved away from Hay, but that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, so I've got Sanebox. I've got all of my accounts in one uh, email client, uh, and I have therefore sort of three inboxes, and uh, I sort of same later, same news. They've all been renamed, but for each account, so six of those, uh, and I just do a sweep, and it's a very rapid sort of triage type sweep. So, uh, in another first for me, I've learned keyboard keyboard shortcuts, um, and so I fire through it. And because I've got this focus at the moment, a lot of things have been okay. Yeah, that that can just be archived. That can be archived. That I just don't have time to to read it. Um, if there are things that need action, um, I've got a shortcut set up to send it to things, um, where it sits um, as a task in the inbox. Um, if it's something that I can deal with immediately, you know, Claire needs something, or whatever, I'll just fire a response. Um, but I clear everything down. End of day, bang. I, I get an email once. That's it. Um, if if you email me just after I've done a check, sorry, it's going to be 24 hours until I see it, um, which I know is pretty much how you function. I think. Um, so because of that, um, after I've done the e email clear down, I do um, my task manager clear down where I go, okay, so what's here? What's in the inbox? Does that need to go somewhere? Does it need to be scheduled? Does it have a deadline? Um, all of those good sort of GTD things. Um, move those around as necessary. Um, and then. I have a quick look at my schedule for tomorrow. I finish my journal. And then when I get up, I get up silly early like you do. Um, and around about five in the morning, I am planning my, my day. And that's my journal. That's my uh, task manager. That's my calendar all coming together um, and creating, if you like, a time block for the day. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and if I do have to do, I've had a couple of client uh, bits of work to do. If I have to, you know, time block two hours for a client, uh, then I put it into a, a slot, which I think is appropriate for the work. Um, and bang, get it done. Uh, so yeah, bizarrely enough, I've been, you know, pumping out a couple of thousand words a day on the, on the dissertation and getting work done for both businesses. After you finish mm -hmm. this project, yep. uh, are you going to keep on this sort of schedule focus? Will the next version of Sean be coming out soon? I, that's the, the next project. Yeah. Um, in my sort of longer term planning horizon, uh, my intention is to do pretty much nothing over Christmas. So now that um, the dissertation is almost done, I will do the editing. Um, I've, I've got a, a plan going forward. I've got to revisit that plan tomorrow because I'm ahead of schedule. Um, look at my, my edits when I want them. Um, and I need to check in with my supervisor just to make sure that he's happy for me to say, okay, this is done now. Um, because I don't know if I have the bandwidth to do another sort of here, have a look at a draft and then get lots of feedback because the reality is, um, I think I need to sign my name and press submit and I will, I will get the MBA, um, because my coursework mark has pretty much got me to the, you know, the pass mark. Mm. Um, so 
the return on doing a load more effort for this would not be great. Um, if I get a decent pass, then I will overall get a distinction, I think. I think that's how it works. Um, so I'm not sure I'm prepared to do another sort of, you know, oh, no, you need to change that. I'll do that chapter again. Um, it probably going to be, once it's cleaned up and I'm happy that it, the threads are there, etc. I'm probably just going to press submit and say, listen, knock yourself out, look at it after Christmas. Um, and then I will come back uh, after a break. Um, I'm going to the UK to go and see my mum. It's her birthday on the 1st of January. Um, and then um, first sort of project outside of the businesses is Sean. Uh, I haven't written it down yet, but in my mind's eye, I'm thinking, uh, you know, first quarter project, try and just get it all done. Um, hit that magic publish, get the monkey off the back. Um, I've got some commitments that I've made to people who um, are signed up to to my blog um, and, you know, very kindly donate some money to me. So I've got some commitments to them that I would like to meet. Um, essentially, what I'll do is I'll give them electronic versions of the book, um, either in uh, Kindle or preferably, I think, the, the um, uh, what is it, EPUB, the more sort of general format. Mm -hmm. um, because I can produce that and I could actually um, then write on it. I could sign it. I mean, it's a weird sort of strange <laughs> hybrid, but it's like a digital artifact, if you like, um, which I'd like to do for the people that support me. That would be nice. Um, and, you know, get to the point where I say, okay, that's now done. I can decide how I want to move forward from that. Um, but what this has shown to me, this, this particular exercise, is that... Um, here I am at 53 years old, learning that sometimes just setting a deadline, brute force and ignorance, um, gets you across the line rather than, eh, I can do that when I'm feeling ready, blah, blah, blah. No, never gets done. Mm, interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, congratulations on getting so far so quickly on your dissertation. Yeah, thank you. I know that's been a lot of work for you. Sure, it certainly has, but I just say a bit of focus. What about you? What's been your tool of the week? All right. So I've been reading the book you were talking about a few weeks ago, Time Surfing, the Zen Approach uh -huh. to Keeping Time on Your Side by Paul Lumens. Mm -hmm. And well, the actual time surfing part, I'm still having some challenges wrapping my head around. Sure. One of the little things in his process, because, well, everybody has to have a process in a book about uh, productivity, is trying to set intentions before tasks mm -hmm. to see if it will help focus. Now this, as you just talked about, isn't required on big tasks. When stuff needs to get done, you just get it done. But the boring administrative type things, this has actually been helpful. Sitting down at my desk or even, you know, playing with the dog or whatever I'm doing, I'm actually taking a moment to say, this is what I'm going to do. So if I'm going to go wash the dishes, I am going to go wash the dishes. And what it does is it kind of gets your mind that this is what I'm doing. I've got to focus pretty much on just this one task, mm -hmm. which is kind of what the whole Zen approach is all about. Surprisingly, it has been very good at helping me get through some of those, you know, those things that we all have to do that nobody likes doing. Um, wow. This has been surprisingly effective. I'm going to do an email sweep, which means that, well, I don't go through one email client, get bored and want to do something else. Mm. Um, this actually means that I have set the intention and I'm going to work through it. 
I know you've read this book. Have you tried any of this? And if so, has it helped at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of um, what what he suggests um, is fairly commonplace uh, when you're talking about, you know, managing your attention, managing uh, task lists and, you know, sort of single attention is much more effective than trying to multitask, you know, all these things we've heard before. But um, I don't know, I think it helps to hear them again. Um, and I suppose what I take, I mean, part of time surfing is to say, don't um, get caught up in producing a list of 7,000 things and then staring at the list of 7,000 things and doing two of them and then adding another 50. Um, just It just becomes a sort of a factory of disappointment. Um, he is very much about saying, okay, here we are. I, you know, I've arrived at my desk. Um, I know what things are on, uh, generally speaking. What is it I feel like doing? Um, and I guess it's, as you were just pushing me there in terms of, you know, okay, so at the end of the day, you go through what's going on, you look at your task. But if you're doing that type of review process, then actually the making of lists, I think, does become less important, which is what he's recommending, because you're you're all over your projects anyway, and your subconscious is going, okay, I kind of know what needs to be done here. Um, but what I found useful is uh, I'm I'm really quite creative and productive in the mornings, so I can I can write. Um, if you say to me, like you know, you need to, uh, you know, get this draft done in this time, then I will be working on it at, at six in the morning. That's when I want to be doing it. And uh, as the day moves on, my sort of energy levels drop and my ability to do anything creative drops. So um, what I've discovered, or what I've always known, but I've rediscovered, I guess, is that for things like sorting out the glossary in my uh, dissertation or making sure that the references are correctly formatted and uh you know the the sort of what did you call them finickety little tasks that nobody really likes doing uh those are those are fine in the afternoon because my brain can kind of switch off uh, which is going to do anyway um and just leave that little organizational part of me going saying okay well i'll just go through this task uh, and it's also great for outlining so the way that i've approached the dissertation is okay chapter four needs to be three thousand words for the sake of argument um, okay, how does that chapter look? All right, so there, there are three parts of the chapter. All right, well, that would point towards a thousand words per part. In those um, parts, how does it actually work? What's the subject? Uh, how am I going to approach it? Is there evidence to, to And I end up just doing an outline. And I can do that in the afternoon. My organizational brain is fine during the afternoon. It's just my creative brain that isn't. So I have a little outline which goes into my MBA notebook. Um, and when I sit down in the morning, uh, knowing that the morning is about drafting, I open up the notebook. There is a an outline that says, okay, 250 words on that, 300 on that, 250 on that, 300 on that. That makes that, that makes that, bang, chapter's done. Um, and I could just autopilot straight in there and start writing because I think... I think I think he's right that my subconscious had done most of the work while I was asleep. Um, just because I know that I'm going to approach that chapter, I know how that chapter is going to work. I know, uh, broadly speaking, how wordy I can get, uh, and the brain just seems to kind of work all that stuff out while I'm 
you know, sleeping or drinking wine or whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and, and boom, I'm ready to go in the morning. So from that point of view, I think he's really is onto something. Whether I would be able to go as he recommends and just, you know, task list, bah, who needs a task list? I've tried that. I've done that. Um, maybe if you're really strict about doing your reviews every morning and every evening and staying on top of all your time, maybe that would work. But I think probably I'm still scared that I would let things like, you know, insuring my car <laughs> fall down the cracks. So, yeah, it's it's one of those books I think you, well, I think they're all the same, aren't they? You, you take things from them, you think, okay, yeah, that that really speaks to me, whereas this really doesn't. Yeah, as I say, the uh, the idea of setting the intention, just saying it out loud to myself, well, hmm. out loud in my head anyway, um, has has been effective. So sure. if I get one thing from a book like that, I'm pretty happy at this point. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? All right, what are you writing with? You got a good stuff this week. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I first wrote the show note on, on Tuesday, I think, and um, I was still exactly where I was the week before because... Um, I'm using fancy pens. Okay, I'm doing a lot of writing, so I'm going through ink, but they were they were all big reservoir pens. Uh, and then very obediently, one of them ran out this morning, so um, I got to update it. Uh, and I've, I've now got three sets of Mont Blanc ink on the go, <laughs> which is uh, all the new ink that I got from uh, from Carbides. Lovely, fantastic, beautiful. Um, so as a sort of refresher, I have my Platinum 3776. It has got the Modena Red or Modena red, um, which is you know, Ferrari red, lovely. Um, and, you know, Platinum's very nice pens. Uh, they're more, I would say, just in sort of nib than mine. <laughs> I don't think they get on particularly with uh, heavy-handed uh, broad nib users, but yeah, it's still a nice pen. Uh, I'm also using a Faber-Castell Emotion pen, uh, the Black Croco version, which is a slightly weird-looking pen, but I don't know, I mean, Quite nice. It's steel nibbed, I think. Given that price, I'm assured. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's it's paper sensitive. So on some paper, it works really well. Um, it likes to leave ink on top of the paper, so it loves to buy and that sort of stuff. But if you put it on harder, you know, like printer paper, it's not wild about that. It gets a bit scratchy. Um, and then that has got um, oh, Miss Charlie is contributing to the podcast there. Um, I thought you dropped something. Uh, no, he's he's, he's he's seen something. I think I may have to let him out. So just just vamp for me. Barky furiously at the gate. There we are. Um, yeah. So in the um, the black croco, I have got uh, midnight blue from Mont Blanc, which is lovely. Um, so it's, it's my grown-up ink. Um, there's now a cacophony of dogs outside. They've they've got together and they're both barking furiously. Um, and then the one that I inked up is a pen I haven't used for a while, and it's because I need to take it in for a service. Um, I bought it um, on from an auction house in the UK. I bought it online, uh, which incidentally I recommend nobody ever does. But Hey, um, it's an auction house that I know. Uh, it's called Fellows. It's one of the larger, larger UK auction houses. Uh, and they have a lot of fine pens that they auction, I know, a couple of times a year. I bought this one, we'll say, four or five years ago. Um, it's the uh, Mont Blanc donation pen celebrating John Lennon. So uh, it's got 
uh, it's, it's a big boy for a start. Uh, and the clip is a, well, it's a guitar. Um, it's a really, really nice pen. Uh, it's got a beautiful big, big nib on it. Um, the one thing that's wrong is, um, you, anybody listening, you'd need to go to the show note and click on the link. If you look at the grip section of the pen, mm-hmm. it has a sort of silver, um, I don't know what you would call that, but the join between the nib and the grip is a little silver ring. Um, and that silver ring pops off rather too easily. Ah. Um, so um, obviously I could just put a little spot of glue on it. <laughs> um, but given that this is a Mont Blanc limited edition and well, it's, it's, it's not a cheap pen by any stretch, uh, I think I will probably uh, make the investment, take it into Mont Blanc and say, oi, sort that out. Um, and hope that they don't turn around to me and say, this is a fake, so we can't do anything with it. I, I, I don't think it is. Um, in fact, I know it isn't. But um, it's a lovely, lovely pen. Beautiful. Uh, it's got a big, broad nib on it. So, um, and it's you know it's on the broad side of broad as well. I have to say. So um, I suspect Justin, you would find it a little unwieldy. You might want to, I don't know, paint your house with it, perhaps. Um, and I have filled that with uh, another Mont Blanc ink. This time, a royal blue, which is one of my favourites. Which will be gone by this time next week with that kind of nib. <laughs> Yeah, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, uh, all the links are in the show notes. Uh, if you want to get, if you haven't tried Mont Blanc, I know Justin and I have said this several times. Uh, give it a go. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah. What about you? What are you, what are you brandishing this week? Well, I'm feeling, um, how do I say it? Uh, a, a little um, underdressed for the occasion. You know, the big boy stuff that you've got. Oh, have you gone utilitarian? Have you? <laughs> I, I apparently have. Yeah. This week, uh, some particular projects that, a lot of picking up a pen, writing, checking off something, and then going, mm-hmm. putting it back down. So I, one of the few times that I find a fountain pen unwieldy when you're just, you know, checking off a, an item on the list. Sure. I know I could do it digitally, but believe me, with what I've got going on, there's pages and pages of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've just been using a Baron Fig Squire Rollerball. Uh, very simple pen. Uh, I've used this one before and we've talked about it. The Baron Fig, uh, I don't know how you say that, by Erasable or X Erasable. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it was on my, it was kind of easily accessible when I was looking for something and I just grabbed it. It's been perfect. I've also been using a Blackwing pencil. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been sharpening a lot because it's a Blackwing and <laughs> yeah, for sure. it, it holds, well, it, it, it doesn't hold a point very well anymore, kind of the way my hair does. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just been really nice, utilitarian, not very exciting, uh, but uh, they work. And for sure, that at the end of the day sometimes is more important than feeling fancy while writing. Mm, and they're both lovely to use. I mean, they are both of them. I think sort of probably of their ilk uh, at the top end. You know, a black ring. Um, for all the problems I sometimes have with Blackwing as a as a partner, um, I have to say they are lovely pencils. Uh, and Baron Fig, I mean, I, I pretty much like everything they make. It, it's not always exactly a great fit for me, but you know their notebooks are beautiful. Their um, their pens are lovely, very um, visibly designed. I would say I've got several. I've got the one that you've got, the erasable. I've got um, Elemental. I've got uh, a red one, which I think is called the Editor. Um, 
I, I didn't go crazy and buy 600, you know, every limited edition they put out, but I did buy a few to say. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. But once you have one or two of them, that's all you need. Sure. And and the insert in it basically is the same as a retro uh, yep. fifty one. So, uh, you know, sometimes I've got I've got a couple of retros tucked away on my desk that I can use any of those as well. So, mm-hmm. lots of choices. Um, nice writing experience. Yeah, that's definitely. really what it is all about for me. What that writing experience is, even if there's no fancy, expensive, big pens. All right, Stu, we've been recording for a while and we still haven't got to our topic. One of those days, eh? Ah, well, there you go. That's me. You get me talking, I'll never stop. Well, this week, kind of as you listen to this, is Christmas. And so Stu and I wanted to talk about our holiday traditions. Which do we follow? And more importantly, why? Ah, Stu, do you do anything for the holidays? Holidays? What do you mean holidays? I've got a dissertation to do, Jack. No, I've done that, haven't I? Um, uh, do I do holidays? Yes. I mean, traditions, I guess, have changed for me, um, uh, despite being um, older than older than God for some people. Um, my life has sort of had different chapters and different phases, uh, and so my traditions now would probably be different uh, from what they were. Well, they're definitely different from what they were. But... Uh, I suppose number one decorations. Um, I would probably say round about now as we record, you know, uh, the the fourteenth, fifteenth would be great. Um, I, I'm married, and the fourteenth, fifteenth is not acceptable. Um, I start getting grief uh, probably round about uh, November time, uh, and so this year I had them out first weekend of December. I had. The, the balcony trimmed, i.e. loads of lights put on it, um, and the tree up. It's an artificial tree, um, heaven heaven for fend. Um, but I got that up at the weekend. I got it decorated. Uh, I always decorate the tree. It's the law. Um, that's always been true in all the chapters of my life. I, uh, tree, tree, it's me. I do tree. Um, uh, I'm not really a fan of artificial ones, but I live in a place that's really warm. So it's, you know, we had 19 degrees centigrade today. The, the dead pine trees don't do very well in that sort of warmth. I hate you. 19 degrees off. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's a bit warmer here than it is where you are. Oh, it is. Yesterday we had a really, really, really cold wind come through too. Oof. It was chilly. Just chilly. Uh, so you do an artificial tree? Yeah. Yeah. That has been since we moved to Cyprus anyway. Yeah, I was really, really thinking about driving up into uh, the forest and cutting down a live tree. Uh, there's some just beautiful ones, but mm, the idea of, well, long-haired dog, uh, dry area. Yeah, we don't get a lot of rain. We don't get a lot of moisture. So even mm. though it's cold, stuff does dry out pretty quickly. Uh, and we have a nice artificial tree. And, mm-hmm. uh, well... The first two weeks of December, we kind of lost a lot of time because of uh, sickness in the house. Mm. So, yeah, we're uh, generally, I, I like to have a tree up by December 1st. I don't care about uh, outside lights, but this year I was overruled. <laughs> uh, I, pu- I I had to put those up, uh, which would have been uh, the Black Friday, I think it was for the rest of the world. It was just another day up here, but I did put the outside lights up and then the next day, well, 
everything fell apart when uh, Mrs. T uh, became sick. So uh, nothing sort of got done. We put the tree up last weekend, but we hadn't decorated it. Uh, last night we actually did. We got the whole family together. We put some Christmas music on. We decorated the tree. We had a lovely dinner. We watched a Christmassy movie. Uh, it's a little late for me. I, I like to have it up. I mean, let's face it. Christmas lights, holiday lights, whatever you want to call them, they're pretty. And uh, yeah, I like having a tree up. Hmm. Um, we do have a second tree, of course, because it's me. <laughs> uh, that one is going to go in the kids' living room. And uh, cool. I do have to sing for trees, I guess. I'd never really thought about it until I was writing the show notes. And a number of years back, uh, I sort of had the the two regular trees. And then all of a sudden I got, I put a live tree up as well. So, uh, in my house, I had actually had three Christmas trees, which is not a big house. So, um, yeah, I'm a little crazy for pretty trees. Pretty. Um, one of my neighbors went and forested, uh, Ponderosa. Oh, wow. Which, um, is absolutely beautiful. Um, it's completely different looking tree mm. to sort of the normal, pine or fur that you would get um and boy maybe next year i'll i'll get into something like that who knows it's i, I mean there's so many choices to uh, get live live trees that um, you know are not going to do well long term because of the growth and everything like that but short term you know they're they're there um yeah it doesn't take long i could be out and back in half an hour um yeah, and it gives me an excuse to use my chainsaw again. Whee! <laughs> well, I mean, you can't you can't really beat a chainsaw. I mean, how, how Christmassy can you get? So, I mean, f for us or for me at least, once the tree is up, then um, I I expect my life now to be dominated by sweet treats, chocolate, sweets. Um, I mean, also nuts to a to a weird sort of way. But um, Mrs. Mrs. L, on the other hand. Is is one of life's eternal hoarders. If if it was left to her, then on Christmas Day she would open a cupboard and there would be fourteen thousand food items, all to be consumed within the next forty eight hours. Um, she buys enough food to feed you know fifty people for a for a month, but wants to restrict eating any of that food to a three day period. Um, so there's this constant battle where she hides food and I find it and eats it, uh, and then she has to go and buy more of it. Um, but you know, it's Christmas, isn't it? You can't be you can't be dieting at Christmas. Mm. Uh, Mrs. T is somewhat similar in the fact that she puts certain things in very, very small amounts, I will point out, uh, for me to eat. Uh, and the rest of it gets hidden away. And I'm having this fundamental argument because I know she's got some stocking stuffers for me. Dark chocolate orange and brandy beans. Um, yeah, I, I know where they are. Um, I also know that I would be in, well, deep trouble if I actually went and started eating those, but, uh, come Christmas, I'll be in a diabetic coma and I'll die happy. Um, yeah, they're hidden around my house as well, Stu. It's, it's a thing that some people do. Well, I suppose it's, you know, it's just looking after my health. It's the way I see it. She's, well, it's the way she sees it. It's not the way I see it. As long as she doesn't hide the wine, we're fine. Uh, yeah, well, Clearly, I'm, I'm in charge of the um, the sourcing of wine. So if anybody's hiding wine, it's me. And I have plenty of places. That one thing I have learned through through not one but two marriages um, is if you marry someone who doesn't know much about wine, uh, just be careful where you leave the really good stuff. 
<laughs> just in case you get home. You get home and, oh, so-and-so came round. We didn't know what to have, so we drank this. Oh, you mean that £600 bottle of wine I was saving for an occasion? That one. Great. Um, How was it, honey? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, she had Coke in it. That was one I, I heard once. Um, Hungarians. In, in wine? Yeah, Hungarians put Coke, Coke with red wine. Uh, not all Hungarians and not all wines, but sometimes. <laughs> this could be another tangent. I could see us going off on this for 10 minutes. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, I shan't. Um, all right. So uh, we've done we've done the the sweeties, the food. Um, okay. So traditions. Um, well, now because I'm a grumpy old man, um, or ten years ago when I was also a grumpy old man, um, it is very very difficult to get me to move out of my house on Christmas Day. Now I don't mean uh, literally out of the house. I love going for a long walk. Um, I, I loved it in the UK. Sometimes in the UK, you get one of those sort of cold, crispy winter's days. I mean, more often than not, you get rain. But hey, if you got one of those those days, I would disappear for hours with the dogs and just go walking over the fields. It was beautiful. Love it on Christmas because you don't bump into anybody. It's fabulous. Um, but I I don't like the whole going visiting on Christmas Day. Oh, let's go to so-and-so's for lunch. No, let's not. Um, I'm more than happy for them to come here. They can eat. They can stay all day. They can do what they like. But I'm eating here in my house, Christmas Day. That's uh, that's my thing. I don't mind going out on Christmas Eve or on Boxing Day, um, but Christmas Day, I like to be at home. Uh, I am British. Yes, I will watch the King's Speech or Queen's Speech as it was for well, pretty much all of my life. Um, but yeah, Christmas Day, I like to be at home. Uh, we have a tradition for breakfast. Uh, I, I make it. Um, I, I, I was an only child, so... Um, I would always wake up at early o'clock on Christmas morning um, and very quickly learned that uh, neither of my parents was particularly a morning person and that it served me well if I could avoid getting them up, I don't know, before five, let's say. So I um, sort of developed a penchant for making breakfast. I thought if I woke them up at five past five with a cup of tea, then I might be in in better shape and it usually works so that sort of grew and now on christmas morning um we have champagne we have um smoked salmon with scrambled eggs uh, on some sort of toast or blini or you know, something quite funky um anybody's interested it's gordon ramsay's um decadent scrambled egg recipe very good lots of cream <clears throat> you'll love it um that's breakfast uh, and now that we're in Cyprus, generally speaking, we then take the dogs down to the beach uh, with clearly more booze because it's me. So more champagne uh, where we will sit on our little wooden chairs, which we take in the back of the car. Uh, we will sit and have a flute of champagne looking at the Mediterranean going, aren't we lucky, lucky people? Unless it's raining, in which case I'll stay at home and drink champagne and look at the Mediterranean through the window and go, mm, we're lucky, lucky people, but it's raining. Do you have a view of the Mediterranean from the mountain hideaway? Yes. Um, I mean, it, clearly you, you can't see the wave tops. Um, it's, uh, I don't know how far it is. It's a 10 minute drive. Um, but yeah, my uh, my house looks over the Akrotiri Peninsula, which is where the Royal Air Force Base is. Um, and so I can see um, uh, Episcopi Bay on one side and Akrotiri Bay on the other. Very nice. <laughs> I just looked outside when we were talking about views. I can see the snow. It's coming down again. Yay! Yay! Well, it's Christmassy. 
Yeah, I'll probably have a white Christmas if this keeps up. Anyway, <laughs> back to podcast recording. Uh, but yes, um, okay. So, I mean, what do you have? Do you have a, do you have a, a Christmas Eve or a Christmas morning tradition? Uh, so for the longest time, our Christmas was, well, joint family things. Um, uh, the kid is my stepdaughter. Um, and we used to have joint custody, which means that one Christmas morning, she would wake up at one house. The next Christmas, she would wake up at the other house. Uh -huh. You'd do this noon. Uh, well, you know, you'd pass the kid off like she was a, a, a present during the day. You know, she would get kicked from one house to the next, uh, which A, sucked for her. I mean, though she did get spoiled twice. Sure. But uh, it was it was just a, an awkward time. So one year, you would have a Christmas Eve with uh, just myself and mrs t and the next year it will be the whole family but you would know that you had to get up and you'd have to do the morning thing as a morning thing because we'd be doing this handover in the middle of the day mm. uh until a few years ago and then when we moved up here that became a non-issue sure up here well this will be the third christmas up here the first one that was just awful because well wife chemo Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of screws up an entire Christmas. I would say so. After we moved up, our in-laws moved up, which are sort of the family that we awkwardly have Christmas with. Mm. Um, Christmas as a vegetarian going to a non-vegetarian's house is always awkward at best. Challenging, I'd say. Oh. Yeah. You know, you end up having to take your own food. Uh, things become uh, just very awkward because shared dishes, what's in this? It just becomes a whole complexity. Sure. So it's it's really awkward. Uh, last year, year before, wife had chemo. Last year, in-laws had COVID. So uh, the wife was feeling better. We spent the whole Christmas as a core family, which is the three of us. Uh, we had some movies, some drinks, some lovely food. My wife makes a lovely vegan roast for Christmas dinner. Mm. I have no idea what's in it because, well, I don't want to be anywhere near the kitchen while she's in cooking mode. Um, but it tastes like a roast to me. Well, then again, it's been 20 odd years since I've eaten any meat, so I could be completely off base. But I think it tastes like what I think I remember it tastes like. Uh, but it's kind of a traditional Christmas dinner. Uh, we have that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really lovely. However, mm -hmm. Mrs. T's new work schedule will mean, for example, next year, she'll be working Christmas. So I'm not sure what we're going to do for new traditions. It's yeah. still a work in progress, I guess. Okay. Well, I mean, Christmas lunch for us, um, Cyprus tends to be, uh, quite light these days. I mean, it's, it's nearly always just us. Um, and I'm pretty relaxed about it. I mean, I don't like uh, traditional um, British Christmas fare, which is um, just turkey, um, which, you know, I think, uh, you know, as a vegan, you'd probably be fine with turkey. It doesn't taste of anything. Um, it's, it's an awful, awful meat. Um, I appreciate that probably it's still a meat and I'm not seriously suggesting you should eat it, but. I was going to say, aren't they all pretty awful meats? But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, I'm, I certainly don't eat it. Um, I, in fact, in the show notes, I got quite aerated about it. Just the very thought of it can, can turn me to Anglo-Saxon language. 
Um, so I prefer the Italian approach, which on Christmas Eve, we would eat fish. Um, so we have uh, spaghetti alla vongole, which is um, little clams. Um, and uh, they have all sorts of fried fish. Uh, and being Italian, there's about 136 courses. Um, I mean, when we lived in London, um, Margaret's family, I mean, if you throw down a blanket over North London, you'll, you'll cover quite a few of her, her family's houses. They, they all sort of live fairly close. So we, everybody would be around at everybody else's houses. And we'd go at Christmas Eve. We would have to be there for, I don't know, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Uh, and I would, uh, I would be sat at a table when I arrived. And well, I'd probably leave uh, 12 hours later. Um, all of all of that time at the table, unless you could sort of beg yourself off for a quick half an hour snooze on an armchair somewhere, um, and the table is never cleared, so the food just rotates, um, and lunch becomes dinner, becomes whatever. And because it was a an emigre family, you've got all of the Italian traditions, but also fiercely all the British ones, uh, which on Christmas Day itself can get challenging because. We had to do this on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. Uh, sometimes we would change sister uh, for, for some of those days, but sometimes we wouldn't. The, the people would stay the same. There would be, I don't know, probably a core of about 20 of us with another 10 or 15 drifting in and out. Um, and it's madness, Justin. It is absolute mayhem from morning till night uh, as everybody's just eating, drinking, there's at least two televisions on. I mean, there have, have to be two televisions, preferably one of them shouting in English and one of them shouting in Italian. You know, I'm getting stressed just listening to this. <laughs> well, just uh, If you haven't sat at a table with, with 20 Italians, then you, you haven't lived. Um, it, I mean, it's just bananas. I largely didn't have a clue what was going on most of the time, which was fine. I just sat next to the wine. Um, but yeah. After an Italian Christmas, you need a couple of weeks off. Uh, so we're quite, as a sort of reaction to that, not that we didn't like it, we loved it, but um, as a reaction to that, we, we're pretty chilled about it now. And every now and again, I have to sort of just rein the wife back in as she she sort of slips into Italian mode and starts saying, well, we'll have this and we'll have that. I mean, on Christmas Day, I went there, we had, uh, we arrived and there's the usual sort of fruit and nuts on the table, some chocolates, you know, all that stuff. Uh, would you like to have a, a beer? Yeah, I'll have a nice cold beer. Why not? We'll do that. And then, then the starter would arrive, and that would be prosciutto, which is um, uh, sort of ham and melon, beautiful, fresh, gorgeous, lovely. Uh, and then would arrive. Um, the big thing in Italy is pasta from the oven, so lasagna. Um, if you haven't had lasagna made by an Italian, then uh, don't consider it as lasagna made by anyone else. It's a different thing. Trust me. So you get this big, huge, big slab of lasagna. And I go, okay, cool. I'll give this a go. Boom, boom, boom. I think, wow, God, that's me stuffed now. But maybe a bit of dessert, I can manage it. No, 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 no. Now comes the traditional British Christmas dinner. On top of the enormous slab of pasta that I've just eaten. There would be somebody carving turkey, ham, 16 vegetables, 400 different types of potato, um, on, on a plate the size of, well, Canada, for want of a better phrase. And they'd be like, seriously, you expect me to eat this now? Oh, wow. And then for desserts, 
clearly it's an Italian house, it's a British house, we'll have all the desserts. We'll have all the English ones, we'll have all the Italian ones. No, 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 no. You don't have to have one. You've got to have all of them. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Sure. But I mean, that's only really the warm up for the cheese, to be honest. Um, you know, it's just something to sort of you know, sweeten your palate before you get stuck into the cheese and the pork. Oh, just even for me, it was an endurance race, these, uh, those meals. And so occasionally I will catch Margaret going, okay, so uh, first we're going to have this, then we're going to have that. And we're gonna, Margaret, you're at six courses. This is just me and you. Should we maybe just have some lasagna and some some sweets, and then we'll put that that cheese board. We'll call that supper. We'll have that a few hours later. Okay then, right. Um, I love all the food, but uh, younger listeners won't understand this. But Justin and I are both old men now. The digestive system is not what it used to be. <laughs> I used to be able to process unlimited amounts of food and alcohol. Unfortunately, I can't anymore. I look at that stuff and I gain weight. <laughs> oh, gaining weight, absolutely. But um, and I also just, as as you mentioned earlier, sort of collapse in a diabetic coma. Go, oh, I can't move. Leave me alone. <laughs> Crazy. What do you guys do for presents? Uh, nothing. All right. Nah, quick topic. Move on. <laughs> Good talk. Uh, no, we, we've evolved to this point. Um, uh, I, I'm... Uh, I'm a gift giver. I love, I love gifts. Um, I love receiving them. I love giving them. Um, I would put loads of time and effort into gifts. Um, so I, I'll tell you, uh, our first wedding anniversary, um, for, for those who are paying attention, your first anniversary is known as the paper anniversary. So I um, uh, went out and I got a calligrapher to write the lyrics to our wedding first dance uh, which was in Italian and English, uh, on some parchment and then had the parchment framed as a gift for my wife. And I presented it to her on our anniversary and she looked at me and went, what's that for? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, it's our wedding anniversary. And she went, is it? I went, mm-hmm. At uh, which point I, I, I kind of thought at that point, I'm unlikely to get a gift, gift here. Okay, fine. So it's the giving that's important. Um, I'm also an only child, so it's not just the giving that's important. Trust me. Anyway, I was like, okay, we'll let, we'll just let that bounce. Um, and then Christmas, there would be a whole lot of the, you know, that game that everybody play. Oh, what do you want for Christmas? Should we get to because you know, do you want something for Christmas? Um, and we did it for a couple of years where you know I would say, well, look, I really need um, you know some golf balls for the sake of argument. Uh, and come Christmas Day, uh, I would have a couple of boxes of golf balls. And she would have a couple of things that she'd mentioned, plus a couple of things that I thought she would like. Um, and I would unwrap my golf balls. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, honey. And then she'd be unwrapping her, her fourth or fifth present. And I'd, I'd be loving it, um, but just really enjoying um, her enjoying the gift. Uh, and then she'd go, well, I feel terrible now because I haven't got you golf balls. And I, I didn't think of anything else. That I, and she just felt horrible. And I, and I thought, well, I'm just... This is this is crazy. I'm making her feel terrible by give, giving her gifts. So uh, we kind of stopped. Um, as you know, check your privilege at the door. We're in the position that if we want something during the year, we can get it, and and we do. Uh, and so the idea of of you know just going out and intentionally buying stuff that neither of us really wants or needs, I kind of understand where she's coming from. But yeah, th that's definitely driven by the current Mrs. L. 
she she doesn't really do gifts and if you're married to somebody who doesn't really do gifts it, it doesn't work to be a gift giver that's my my experience so i suspect there will be i'm gonna guess nothing there may be some there'll be some gifts for the dogs under the tree and i may sneak a gift for her and say it's from the dogs oh the dogs are smart mm-hmm. always got to come up with gifts that's it what about you how, how does it work in canada well i don't know about canada but i'm still a big believer in presents and getting up at the crack of dawn to open them um <laughs> yeah I, I i love giving as well as receiving gifts um even though that seems to get much more difficult uh shopping here is hard i can get stuff but it has to be intentional you know i'm going either driving for an hour to find a shopping mall um or more reason more recently i'm just ordering stuff online it's lost a bit of the personal touch that i enjoyed i used to love going to small retailers that uh, have cool stuff and finding gifts for the people in my life um and i just find now it's becoming more stuff and a lot like Stu, you know, I, we're privileged enough that if we need something, we just buy it. So just buying more stuff. Um, well, it's not quite as exciting as it was. It's, um, you know, this year uh, my wife came home from one of her shopping trips, handed me a couple of sets of uh, pants for her and said, oh, by the way, you're getting me these pants for Christmas. Um, it, it's kind of lost that magic of finding the gift, you know? Mm, for sure. But I'll still be up early waiting for my family to get up, which they're not early morning people. Um, and I'll be sitting there looking at the Christmas tree going, can I open it? Can, can I open it? Can I open it? <laughs> well, I'm like that with the champagne bottle. <laughs> I'm thinking I can't really open it until she gets up. <laughs> well, that's the second one. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps I just need to sneak in a little... Yeah. <clears throat> A pre-champagne champagne, as it were. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Ah, crazy stuff. Do you get you get time off for Christmas? Are you taking time off this year? With, sure. Sounds like you'll be able to with your with your work schedule, and then yeah. I know you've got some after Christmas travel coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, generally speaking, um, for for the Neros, um, I mean, I don't do the operational stuff anyway. Claire does, and we shut down. Uh, well, you know, sort of last shopping days before Christmas, you know, it's a mail order. So, um, you know, people ordering on the 24th are not going to get it for Christmas. Um, uh, I try and get Claire to take uh, pretty much the, the whole lot off from, I don't know, the 21st through to the new year. Um, and that's what we sort of formally say on the website. Um, but she she tends to nip in and just, you know, um, send out anybody's orders that, you know, stationary fans are stationary fans and a bit bored on the 26th. They'll, they'll put in an order. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't sort of guarantee service and certainly there's nothing going on in terms of finance or in terms of, uh, suppliers. So I don't really have anything to do there. Um, the, uh, the money business in terms of the anti-money laundering consultancy, no, I mean, everybody is shut down. Um, and if they're not shut down, they're certainly not considering, um, anti-money laundering training. They, I do have some clients who have me on standby if, you know, if they have a query come up, but that's, that's a phone call, you know, it's not the end of the world. So yeah, I, I would take the time off. Um, I, I love the in-betweenies. So I love the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, 
when the whole world appears to have sort of you know um just just gone on on vacation uh, everything's really quiet and I, that's when i do a lot of introspection that's when i sort of plan my goals for the year um i really enjoy it watch a few movies uh, eat my own body weight in chocolate um sherry for breakfast you know it's it's a time of sort of casual gentle indulgence i absolutely love it uh, and then yep this year we're away um heading off to the uk after christmas um because it's my mother's birthday on new year's day um and she will be the ripe old age of 80 so uh we will go and celebrate that with her for a little while um which will be nice it's also travel over the holidays which i'm not a huge fan of but hey what can you do what about you do you do anything for new year no, we don't do anything for New Year. Uh, the current jobby job means, well, I've got at least one or uh, two days of work in between Christmas and New Year. So mm-hmm. um, okay. unfortunately, but it's it's low stress stuff. It's just things that have deadlines that need to be done for year end and stuff like that. So sure. um, New Year's midnight, that's what it is, right? Um, <laughs> what's a midnight stew? I haven't seen one of those in a, in, in a long time. It's probably the one time of the year I do see it, actually, is, is at Hogmanay. I mean, I'm, I'm a Scot, um, so I think it's probably illegal for us to go to bed before, before midnight. Um, and I associate it very much with my dad, um, because my dad was Scottish, um, even sounded Scottish. And um, Mrs. L is it's like you, she's like, midnight? Never heard of it. Um, so it's usually me, a couple of sleeping dogs, uh, and uh, the Hootenanny. Uh, Jules Holland's Hootenanny, which if you're not British, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. There's a link in the show notes. Um, it's a it's a music TV party show thing. It's become a tradition now. Um, it's uh, it's great. Jules Holland is a um, fantastic pianist. Um, he knows a lot of musicians. He hangs out with a lot of musicians. And they just have a little jam party, essentially. It's great. Um, and I, I, I sit there. I'll have a little scotch with my dad. At midnight um clearly uh that's all happening in my head as it were but hey um uh, it's just when i remember it so yeah it's sort of bittersweet for me we don't really do uh new year's Eve parties because margaret hates it <laughs> yeah we're kind of the same way uh, we had the same thing with uh the kid if we had her for christmas eve we didn't get her for new year's eve so uh it just got to the point where it was kind of awkward and when we did have the child, well, generally underage kids don't want to go to a drinking party. So um, last few years, we've just, I don't think we've bothered even making midnight. Uh, we've just kind of, whenever we're tired enough to say, you know what, I don't want to be tired and hungover the day after uh, starting a new year with, with that is never a good feeling. I'd rather get up and go for a hike on New Year's Day. I mean, that's a wonderful thing that we'd rather do. Sure. Um, we might get together with some friends. Um, we'll see what the child's doing this year. Maybe she wants to spend some time. I know she's here for Christmas. Her partner just flew home after a week with us, so they won't be back up here for Christmas. So it'll just be her on her own. We'll see. I mean, honestly, I remember going to New Year's parties when I was much younger everyone been fake and hugging and you know oh yeah you're my best friend and then an hour later wouldn't even give you the time of day um so it just isn't something that really resonates with me um you know and family well family 
that's, that becomes an obligation, not any more fun. Sure, sure. There's always a risk in that. Isn't it? I mean, I think that's the great the great thing with New Year's Eve parties is there's so much anticipation that it's got to be amazing, and you know, everybody is feeling a little bit jaded after Christmas anyway because they've been drinking too much and eating too much, and um, uh, that. <laughs> They're struggling to stay awake until midnight. And the only way that they can manage to stay awake until midnight is to drink too much. Um, it's a recipe for a bad night, generally. Um, and certainly the idea of, you know, gathering in London or Edinburgh or, you know, New York or LA or Vancouver or uh, Toronto, I just think, why on earth would you want to stand around in the cold? No, oh, it's going to be New Year. Sure, it's going to be New Year in your nice warm house too. Um, but hey. People are people. Whatever floats people's boats, I guess. Mm. Uh, do you have any other traditions that you do at Christmas? Uh, do I have any other traditions that we currently do at Christmas? Uh, I mean, when I lived abroad, uh, well, I consider abroad, when I was an expat or an immigrant, as you should more, more accurately be known, um, lots of uh, lots of the, the the Brits that were, you know, my, my circle of friends and stuff would all go home for Christmas back to the UK. Um, and so the, those that were left, I considered the, the waifs and strays. So I was all, I would always do Christmas day for the waifs and strays. Um, and that would be, you know, any, any of the, the expats that I knew, uh, who weren't going home, we'd get them around and we would sort of just have our own little Christmassy thing. Um, I say, we don't really do that now. Everybody here is a waif and stray. So, uh, also it's Cyprus, it's winter. So we all hibernate and <laughs> nobody really wants to go out that much. Um, and Christmas was never really a big thing in Cyprus. It's getting bigger now uh, with sort of, you know, the whole uh, British influence and, and the uh, TV influence. Um, but Easter was always a bigger sort of festival here. So I uh, don't know if we really do anything more. Um, no, I mean, I, as I get older, I suppose, um, you, you asked about TV and stuff. I watch my TV um christmas movies uh, but yeah i get into them all I, I don't mind i'll even watch violent night again if necessary um the the richard curtis stuff every time i watch it i i sit there and go wow this could, this guy could write i mean i defy you to not feel some sort of nostalgic uh at a richard curtis movie um uh you know think notting hill think um uh, oh, what's it called? Love is all around. Love actually. Um, yeah, they, they are you know soppy, lovely movies, and I will watch them. Going, oh, no, I'll watch the the Muppet Christmas movie, all of that stuff. You know, I've never seen any of those. <gasps> oh, the Richard Curtis ones. Um, yeah, okay. So Notting Hill, uh, Four Weddings at a Funeral was probably the first one. Nope. Um, that's not very Christmassy. Four Weddings at a Funeral, although there are some Christmas scenes. Um, Notting. Notting Hill is Christmassy. Is Notting Hill Christmassy? Yeah, kind of. But Love Actually is the big one. Um, it's it's uh, Hugh Grant. If you know Hugh Grant, uh, he he's a very good actor at playing Hugh Grant. Um, his character is almost identical in every movie that he's in, and he does it very very well. Sort of floppy haired, posh Englishman. Um, but yeah, Love Actually is brilliant. Watch Love Actually. Everybody in the family will get something from Love Actually. Oh, I don't know if I could do it, Stu. I don't know. I can't do sappy movies. Just not my not my DNA. But if if you if you uh, if you pay attention to the writing and see how he sets up some of the jokes and set some of the scenes, that is a master at work. 
I'll take your word for it. How about that? I think I'll watch the violent one before I do that. <laughs> okay. Well, the thing is, as a kid, um, you know, the I, Christmas movies to me, in my memory, they were never about Christmas. I mean, The Great Escape was a classic for us for Christmas. Every Christmas that came on. Because um, I mean, these were in the days where you didn't have streaming and stuff. You know, what came on those four channels is what you had. Three channels for me. Yeah. Well, whenever The Great Escape came on, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll watch that. Um, uh, Brits will know this, but there's a thing called the the Radio Times, which is a magazine that has the TV schedule for uh, the two Christmas weeks. And it's the one time of the year. It comes out every week, but it's the one time of the year that everybody would buy the Radio Times. And you would sit there and the whole family would circle programs that they wanted to watch. And, you know, it'd be, okay, well, that, we'll have lunch early that day so we can all sit down together and watch The Great Escape which is a great war movie. It's a fantastic war movie. Who's who of um, actors? I mean, you know, Paul Newman's in it. Uh, Joel Garner's in it. Um, a, a host of British actors. It's a war movie, Second World War movie. Um, it's based on a true story. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. Watch it. Uh, but those are the types of movies that um, were Christmassy for me. This sort of, you know, Christmas-themed movie, that's that sort of came after I'd grown up and gone away and was, you know, focusing on wine and champagne. But, Hey, I'll watch anything. I won't, but I'm miserable, so there we go. <laughs> Stu, it's coming up quickly. Mm. Any takeaways for our listeners over this? Uh, wonderful, wonderful time of year. Yeah. Um, look, you know, whether it be Christmas for you or Hanukkah or Happy Holidays or all of that, um, I don't care, really. Just enjoy it. Have a fabulous time. Be with your loved ones. Uh, don't get hung up on the stuff. Just get hung up on the people that you love. And if you're on your own, we're thinking of you. It'll get better. You'll be all right. I agree with everything Stu said. The other thing I would say, don't be afraid to throw out old traditions that don't work any longer. Mm. I'm looking at you, family gatherings. <laughs> uh, find and make new memories. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. <laughs> All right. We are not back until after Christmas. Uh, we've got to take a little bit of a break. Uh, Stu's got some travel. So we'll be back uh, the first week in January. Where can people find you on the internet if they run out of you between now and then? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it'll be pretty quiet, but I dare say I would have preloaded some stuff, certainly on nerosnotes.co.uk um, and on the accounts that follow that. So Twitter, Instagram, or sorry, X, uh, Instagram, that's that type of stuff. Um, I'll probably be quiet at stuartlannon.com, although I think I'm going to put an article up tomorrow next week um and uh well if you want to find out about money laundering uh, why um line consulting would be the place to go what about you justin where can people find you well you can find links to everything i do justin you can send us both emails at stationary adjacent gmail.com please take a moment to like reviewers on your podcast podcast catcher of your choice we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues our next topic is going to be a discussion on 2024, what we're stopping, what we're doing more of, and what we're trying to do. Until then, goodbye, have a wonderful holiday season, and take some time off and be less productive. It's all right. Ho, ho, ho!